Hi everybody, it's me, Ryan Moffitt from ROTM Radio. Just wanted to take a moment to let you know that you can download ROTM Radio via the Podbean app, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and many, many more. If you cannot find ROTM Radio via your favorite listening podcast app, just go ahead and pull the RSS feed off of ROTMRadio.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the new ROTM Radio, the official podcast of ROTMRadio.com. I am one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me today is the barber to the stars, Mr. Dustin Griffith. hey Also with us today, a man who has no last name, it's just Zach. Hello, everyone. Hey, guys, how's everybody doing today? It is uh, Sunday. We are officially now in episode uh, I was going to say episode three, but that would be wrong. We're episode two, uh, titled Outbreak, and I'm pretty excited about this one. Uh, but before we dive into into that, uh, Dustin and Zach, how was your guys' week? Really well. Um, really good. Extremely busy. Um, as you all know, this is my uh, our church. We're going back this week, and so um, today I have live stream prepared a message, preached a message, set up the sound system, watched a movie, and now I'm <laughs> recording a podcast. So uh, it's been a very eventful day, but uh, really a good, it's been a, like a really fun weekend. So, and tomorrow I'm going swimming for the first time this summer. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. Yeah. I'd say that your day sounded like uh, a good old walk in the park compared my day i had to watch outbreak do a little bit of reading about it you know uh going through a couple various um articles you know getting a little additional information man so yeah my my weekend was pretty good see my weekend was was uh pretty good too i i went over on saturday and i actually went to zach's house and me and him watched outbreak together had some had some really good food had some beers uh, enjoyed thoroughly the movie with the family, except for well, the families uh, didn't watch as much with us because the little kids were like, were like, oh, maybe take them out of the room, you know, because they're all young and impressionable and they don't know what's going on. So, uh, and then today, uh, I was back with Zach actually, um, because it was your, uh, uh, your, it was somebody's birthday. Whose birthday was it again? It was uh, Mike's, but my birthday's right around the corner. Oh yeah, that's right. When's your birthday? Well, ha- yeah. happy early birthday. M- Mike is a uh, you know a member of one of, of my glorious family. I will not say which one. <laughs> when when yeah. is your birthday, Zach? Uh, my birthday is sometime in June. Nice. Um, I am a June bug. Sometime in June. Well, happy happy birthday! <laughs> Shout out to my fellow June bugs, by the way. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, happy early birthday. Um, and since then, I've been, uh, you know, playing some video games. And, you know, I was actually sitting here eating some sour Skittles. You guys like sour Skittles at all? Uh, I do. Um, after the 10th one, <laughs> my uh, tongue starts to get destroyed. Yeah, so that was actually but. something that it was funny because, like, I'm sitting here eating sour Skittles. They're amazing. I know what it does to my tongue. It's almost like Captain Crunch in the roof of your mouth, right? Uh, but sour Skittles does it to your <laughs> tongue. And I know it, but I've got to hey, eat Hey, that's the- a widely disputed fact with Captain Crunch. All right. How is that a widely disputed fact? What? Look, all I'm saying is, is that somebody makes that claim and then, bam, lawsuit. Okay. I'm just saying, you know, it's an opinion, not a fact. All right. <laughs> Kellogg's doesn't mess around, Ryan. <laughs> okay. So you're saying Kellogg's is going to come sue us for claiming that Captain Crunch, which is amazing, and it's basically cracking a cereal bowl. If I say that also it, scratches it the roof of your mouth, the yes. roof of your mouth, they're going to sue us. Look, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying it's happened <laughs> to some people in certain circumstances. Where you know, have we gone? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, I don't know where we've gone. I'm guessing, I mean, though. I'm guessing I, that Skittles is going to come sue me too because I'm like, we all know what I happens when we eat Skittles. I or, will I mean, say. Sour Skittles. I will say to give my answer and to stick with the Skittles thing. Uh, I couldn't. Eat sour Skittles because um, my, I guess my taste buds for sour was destroyed um, a long time ago when I used to take Airheads. And I don't know why I would do this, but I had this thing where I would take Airheads and put them in a cup of water to get all the sour off. I would eat the Airheads normal and then I would drink the water. Um, the most disgusting thing ever. I don't know why I used to do it, but I used to do yeah, that. That sounds awful. No, <laughs> it, it really was, does. It was, that on, really are awful. you talking about warheads? Warheads. What? What did I? I say War- airheads. You said airheads, and I'm like, uh, they're not yeah. that sour. Like what? I'm, <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Let me got a baby tongue over. Yeah. Here. There we go. <laughs> let me. Let, yes, warheads. Excuse me. And like, specifically, I, I, I mean airheads. I like them soggy once they've been in my mouth and I've been chewing right. on them for like 40 <laughs> seconds already. I can like imagine pre, pre-sogified pre airheads? <laughs> I'm going to have to, some, some listeners going to hold me to this now. I'm going to have to actually do this. Maybe on Instagram we'll do a special Dustin sticks his airheads in water and has to eat them. But um, Heck, no. We might, we might just do it on the uh, Facebook page live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Do 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 warheads and then drink the water. I, I think That's what I, I, I can see. do both. I I'm fine to do both. But um, yeah. So I used to do that. I don't know why I used to do that. And then so, um, basically would destroy my tongue. And then anything else was not sour to me anymore. So I I enjoy them, but they're just not that sour to me because. So basically, of- by you putting the the warheads into into the water, you basically created acid. Then. You drank the acid. <laughs> Pretty much. Because that's the chemical reaction, apparently, that warheads have when you put them in water. <laughs> it's Christian crack, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. What, what, what was your favorite ones? Or are we talking... Well, uh, I like the blue myself. The those warhead... Wa- yeah, the blue tasted good. I, I think that my favorite, like, just for the sake of them being sour, was the black cherry. Um... 
the lemons were the sourest, but I they I didn't care for the taste that much. But the black cherry tasted good, and they were the the most sour. Um, for Skittles, it's always purple. Purple's my go to Skittle, whether it's sour or normal. Yeah. So, I could definitely go for yeah, some that's, lemon drops. That's one of right my now. favorite. Now that you said I, lemon, that's what I'm <laughs> thinking about. Um, I did have a point though to bring up uh, about sour Skittles. Besides the fact that it wrecks your mouth, like you know how most candies, if you're eating a bunch of candy or whatever, like your tongue will turn the color of the candy. Well, um, <laughs> I went into the, I went to go use the restroom after, um, or getting while well, getting prepared for the uh, for the podcast. And it's like my tongue, I can just feel the the rawness of it, right? So I literally just like, you know, kind of went, ah, uh, at, the, at the mirror. And um, yeah, apparently sour Skittles just like once you, once you rub the, your tongue raw, it just turns brown. Mm. I don't know if that's just like the mixture of all the colors of the, mm. the rainbow that you're tasting, the sour rainbow, but um, uh, not a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just turns brown, yeah. and I don't know why I found that interesting. I, yeah, that's uh, it seems gross. Yeah, I was gonna Did say, are you, you sure you were eating sour skittles and not yep uh, something else that comes out of the body? <laughs> what? Oh, jeez! <laughs> I mean, you were in the bathroom, so excuse me oh, to man. all of our lady listeners. Um. Why oh, specifically lady listeners? I think you should excuse yourself <laughs> to all the listeners who just heard you say that. <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> oh my goodness. I liked it. It was, it was I'm sorry. It was good. <laughs> Only because it happened to uh Ryan. I, like I said, it was just it was just weird because I'm like, oh, I wonder if my, my tongue's gonna be red because it's rubbed raw, or if it's blue or green, you know, like ah, I got candy candy tongue or whatever but no it was brown and i found it to be weird a little weird a little off-putting i'm not sure like i said it must just be just the culmination of all of the colors at once because i don't just like yeah. eat one sour skittle i'm like handful throw it in my mouth like crunch crunch enjoy it but ow 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 yeah, the whole time i think yeah yeah, yeah they're rated at like 40 grit you know incredibly <laughs> coarse uh if you, you know, sour. If, you gotta, on if, you, there. if you're building a deck and you want to start sanding, you know, I've got you know, I've got probably five skittles left. It should it should last you the entire project. <laughs> Sandblast with sour skittles. <laughs> oh man, That's this is making cool. me interested. I'm looking up if you mix all the colors together, what color you get. Um, there's a bunch be brown of because the first I mean, thing I picked up was a it brought up Pink Floyd's album i don't know how that has anything to do with it but which album interesting uh i've skipped on it's the one that has like the the triangle and the colors going through it is that maybe that's all of them uh, yeah <laughs> sounds like a prism let's see yes that's what it is uh <laughs> well uh, mr griff's uh excuse me well <laughs> 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 Oh, we're so off the rails. Oh, cut that, cut that, Ryan. Cut that. I thought it was great. We should have kept it, <laughs> Mister Griff. Ah, mm. all right. There I go. 
So while uh, so while Dustin's looking that up, I did want to bring up some uh, special shout outs because uh, I got a lot of feedback this week uh, from some different le- listeners of the show. And I, I know I shared a few of it with you guys, um, but, you know, wanted to go ahead and shout out once again, Mental Maroon. Uh, thank you uh, very much for the positive feedback and everything about the show. Uh, also, listeners uh, such as uh, Josh, also uh, Creed's Avenge on Twitter. And I think that was I think that was it as far as people reaching out. Um, Josh actually gave me a few um, a few requests for things that we might do in the future, so we'll be keeping those in mind. But uh, for those that reached out, we do appreciate it, and we appreciate that you're listening. And also, we want to do a special shout out uh, to the guys that are working over at uh, Berg's Hair Parlor. Right? Is that right, Dustin? That is correct. Berg's Hair Parlor in West Frankfurt, Illinois. Uh, that is where uh, the Barber to the Stars himself sits the stars down, and he's got some lovely coworkers over there. Uh, so, Dustin, if you want to say hi, hi to your fellow uh, barbers, and and uh, we're glad they're listening. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I want to shout out Jonathan and Ethan um, if you are listening to this show. Hopefully, you are. Oh, also, I do have an answer to uh, the question, uh, if you want to hear it right now. Yeah, Dustin, I would love to get that answer, but before that, uh, anybody who would like, uh, if you're in Southern Illinois and you want a haircut, make sure to check out Berg's over in West Frankfurt, and I believe Dustin actually had the address if you guys want it. Yes, uh, 101 East Main, West Frankfurt, come give us... Uh, come give us a try. We online booking, all that kind of stuff. So, um, and the answer to that question that we have. So with, um, colors, if you're mixing the color of paint, you get black. All colors become black. If you're mixing the colors of light, all of them become white. So if you have a bunch of like colored lights and you shine them together, they eventually will become white. But if you're mixing a ton of paint, they'll eventually become black. Yeah, yeah. See, you, you I can see that, that with. Uh, I, was, I thought we were specifically talking about Skittles. I thought you were looking up like, <laughs> what happens when the Skittles all get eaten together. And you're just I like, can look that up too. What listen, <laughs> listen, boys and girls, this is how colors work. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hey, know that. I'm that from Ryan. Only eight. You know, like, you know, four green and three yellow and maybe a blue. It's only like you know, and green, then, orange, so stuff like red, purple, and yellow, you know, so only the purple. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> but I'm talking about the specific mixtures that were making it into your mouth at one time. Uh, yeah, that could be. That's what we need to break down. <laughs> so, well, how much How much are we talking here? Are five at a time? Are we talking ten at a time? I, I Where do you think that you're know. at? I think, I think we're completely off the... Half the bag? We're completely off the rails. <laughs> so, the only thing I saw was on Quora, and somebody said, I just ate a pack of sour Skittles, and my tongue is burning and looks blood red. Is it possible that our all sour candies can put people in health risk? That, that's the first thing I saw when I typed in does sour skittles what color does sour skittles create <laughs> so somebody was having yeah. some issues oh my gosh. yeah somebody's got to go to the er for that apparently now i wonder how many uh how many skittles they ate see i mean uh not gonna lie i was eating a share size bag myself and i mean i mean i'm not bleeding but 
It doesn't feel great. <laughs> <laughs> a shared, a shared sides bag. That's being brown. That's maybe you, maybe you were already bleeding, and it's all dried out, and it's just old blood that's now brown. Yeah, oh, maybe. Geez. Speaking of blood, so uh, outbreak. <laughs> Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. We we need to get to outbreak. I'm sorry, listeners. We 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 <laughs> rabbit trail a lot. Um. Okay. So outbreak. Uh, Zach, why don't you go ahead and give us our kind of spoiler free summary, um, as you are going to start doing for us every show. Outbreak is a film based in the year 1995. Uh, we see uh, a small outbreak of a hemorrhagic fever virus known as Mataba in the small town of Cedar Creek and the poor souls who are tasked with the uh, with the fight against containing it and finding a cure or a treatment for this horrible virus all done <laughs> All right. So obviously it's a short, sweet summary. Uh, but when you're dealing with a movie, uh, it's a little more difficult to uh, try to you know to try to give too much away. Uh, so as of this moment right now, uh, go ahead and you know if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want us to spoil anything, pause the movie or excuse me, pause the podcast right here because uh, we are going into spoiler territories, ladies, spoiler and, ladies and gentlemen. Alert. So. Um, let this be known as of right now, spoiler alert, we are now going to be spoiling everything for the movie Outbreak. Everyone dies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone would have died. All right, run the outro. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, so I thought it was kind of interesting. The movie started, um... I'm assuming it was like it made it look like African kind of jungle uh, area, and I, I think that's where they said it was was in Africa. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was in a uh, Zaire, um, and it started in 1967, like that that very uh, beginning sequence. So was it? That was whenever they first encounter the Motaba virus, right? Um, was it in Zaire both times then, at the beginning of the movie, and then yes, okay. okay. So, okay, that may, oh, well, I guess it makes sense because the monkeys that were, you know, moving around with it wouldn't have gotten very far, I guess. It's not like they migrate hundreds of miles or something. So, I guess that does make sense. Uh, so, what was your guys' overall thoughts on the on the movie? I, I enjoyed it. Um, I've, I said to you guys kind of before we started the show, <clears throat> I would have loved to see this in... Um, more of a small, not necessarily like a TV show with multiple seasons, but like a maybe a, a TV or movie series, I guess you could say. Um, because I, I felt like it was, there was a lot that you, you could have spread this out o- over the course of a few, maybe 45 minute episodes and uh, really got into some detail stuff with it. Uh, I felt like the beginning of the movie was really... Um, I really enjoyed kind of the pacing of it, and then it seemed like all at once everything just really sped up. So, yeah, I, I think that overall I, I really enjoyed it. Would have loved uh, them to kind of spread out and take a little more time and give more details. Yeah, um, I would say uh, I thought it was interesting um, from... 
from the fact that I hadn't seen it since I was, I don't know, maybe mid-teens. Uh, well, so for perspective, that's been about, uh, you know, 10 to 15 years. So seeing, you know, no, normally like I remember something and I, and I remember it better than how it actually was once I end up watching it again. And I got to say this one actually stood the test of time a little bit. Um, I didn't find a lot of that, you, you know, like sometimes I watch a film and I'm like, I'm just not into this. Like, this isn't something that I would watch today if I just learned about it. Um, so overall, like I, I did enjoy, I did enjoy the watch. Yeah, I also enjoyed the watch and I think it does uh, also hold up. I mean, it's uh, what, 15, almost 20 years old, uh, the movie or... Yeah, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, ninety five. Yeah. Ninety five, so it would be over over twenty years old then, um, at this point. So I mean, it held up well. There was some cheesy kind of movie moments, and I got to tell you guys, it was kind of funny because as the movie was progressing and they started doing the quarantine on the town, I I I kept and I kept saying this to you, Zach, the whole time I was watching it was like it was driving me crazy because they would have the Humvees that were you know, the guy was driving and as the Humvee was driving around, they had a M60 machine gun up on the turret for the, uh, for the Hummer, but it wasn't locked down and there's nobody like up in, in the actual turret, like, uh, manning the gun, but the gun just literally kept like spinning around in circles as, as the guy was driving and making turns and stuff. Uh, and that was driving me crazy that that was happening. <laughs> um, but uh, other than that, I mean, there's really, uh, I thought they did a good job with it. It's very, it's very interesting. Some of the moral, I guess, uh, conversations that would have to happen in a movie like this, in this kind of scenario. Um, and it plays out pretty well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, to the cheesy point, I, <laughs> the last line of the movie is probably the cheesiest ending to a movie I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> she's like, well, now we got the antibodies <laughs> and that was it. That was the movie. I was, <laughs> I told Zach going into it. I was like, oh my gosh, was that really how they just ended it? And I, just for perspective, I've never seen this movie. I finished this movie right before we started recording. So, um, it's brand new and fresh to me. So, um, but that was literally the last line of the movie. The the, the main character asks his ex wife, um, basically, if she would be willing to give it another shot. And his, her response is, "Well, no, we have the antibodies." <laughs> I was yeah. like, what? I, and I didn't even realize. Like I, I was fine with that until you called called the movie out on. Um, that last little bit. It just it was and just And now funny. I see it from your from your eyes now. <laughs> it was just I'm like, oh my gosh, that was pretty cheesy. <laughs> it was I funny. Didn't, like I actually didn't actually catch that line at the end and uh while me and Zach were watching it, he's literally just like, Ah, that's really funny and I'm like, What? <laughs> he's just like what she just said. 
you know, they've got the antibodies because they already went through a bad marriage, so, you know, they could fight for the new one. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Because I, I, I didn't even catch the line itself. Yeah. I completely missed it. And I was like, oh, I see. Okay, cheesy <laughs> Dr. CEC scientist joke. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I heard the like I heard her say the line, but then I, I just was expecting another line to follow. Like I just it wasn't an injure movie on this line, and then all of a sudden credits were rolling, and I, I literally I rewound it. I was like, did I miss something? Like I <laughs> I don't think I heard what he said right before that, and I was just confused. I was like, that couldn't have been the last line, and sure enough, it was. And I thought. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> what a what a what a way to end this movie but uh i also so really, thought yeah go ahead i was just gonna say i also thought i will say i did um and i meant to say this when you at earlier but um it was really cool seeing some of these actors like there's a lot of big name actors in this movie um i'm sure that at the time and i i don't you know, I wasn't paying attention really to Hollywood in, in 1995, but um, I, you know, just looking at the cast for this, it's a really great cast. Um, so I, I will say I, I was, when I started looking at the names and when people started appearing on screen, I was like, oh man, like this is, this is kind of a star studded group of cast yeah, members. It's like, oh man, they've got you too. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, that's pretty great. Um, yeah, so actually... With yeah, the- well, you might actually find this interesting, um, is that during the time that this was being filmed, or once it was released in 1995, there was an, out- an actual outbreak in Zaire uh, going on at that time um, out- uh, of Ebola. Okay, so um, this is actually something that I, I said to Zach while we were watching the movie was like, because they mention Ebola a lot, like... Like three, maybe five, six times in the first, when they're trying to figure out what Motaba is. Because they're like, it acts like Ebola, but it's killing like 50 times faster than Ebola. And I looked at Zach and I'm like, you know, the first time I ever heard about Ebola was like three or four years ago when like, you know, just like today, you know, with coronavirus, the world was going to end because there was Ebola. And I just remembered like... Apparently, Ebola was has been a bigger issue, especially in the third world, um, for quite a while, and it just never—I I guess it never really hit the mainstream, uh, or maybe I'm just an idiot and I didn't know about it before. Like the whole, you know, lady traveled from, you know, got on a plane with it or whatever. Um, yeah, I did. I mean, I guess I didn't know. I, I didn't even think about that, or I—I I wasn't. Uh, you know, I noticed they mentioned some of the, the you know, viruses that have broken out um, and they made I, – I know at one point they made a specific call out to uh, – I believe it was Morgan Freeman's character made a specific call out to the flu and was basically talking about – and I was guessing it was actual factual numbers that when it first – uh, when it first came out, I think he said that it killed 250 million people um, is what he said. I think that's what he said in the movie. And, um, I, you know, I caught that as like, oh, wow, that, you know, that's probably real life statistics. But, um, you know, I, I wasn't even I didn't even think about the fact that, you know, maybe some of those were going on right around the same time, which may have caused the movie, you know. 
um, that maybe caused the filmmakers to decide to make this movie. Yeah, that was uh, um, that was definitely something uh, that kind of ran through my mind uh, as well. I will say one um, other thing real quick. I I did think it was funny all the way through it, given the state we're in right now with the coronavirus. I thought it was really interesting. You know, they would show a scene in the town or whatever, and uh, you'd see all these people <laughs> standing around, and I, I just was kind of yelling at my TV, like, social distancing, put your masks on, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, gosh, I've been in <laughs> Illinois for too long. <laughs> yeah, gotta watch out. Thanks, Pritzker. Well, so where it's interesting for me is, you know, you kind of set the stage for what is a possibility. Obviously, it's a very bad uh, virus. It's a, um, I forget the name of. It's like a Hema Hema something. Zach, would you remember what it was? Yeah. So uh, it was hemorrhagic fevers. Right. A hem- hemorrhagic. Same, That's same the thing as ever. Remember. <laughs> uh, but it's a hemorrhagic fever, which for those of you who don't know what that is, that's kind of one of these, it's really bad where you get, you know, you get sick and then, um, towards the end of your life, you end up just bleeding from every orifice in your body, eyes, ears, nose, other orifices. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah. I believe the way the, uh, like Ebola works is that it, it pretty much keeps, it blows your cells up. Uh, and so you, you just, you, everything bleeds. Um, and that's what you, they, they pretty much the movies, Matoba, Matabo, Matabo, <laughs> Matabo, uh, is pretty much Ebola. Um, it's just on a, a worse scale because like it's, way it's accelerated um, and everything else. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and what they quote in the movie is that the death rate is 100%. Um, so it's literally like, if you catch it, you're going to die. Uh, and wasn't which, it two days? I mean, they really, um, I, I, like, I think they, and they, they were really good about breaking down the timeline of like, once you get it in, you know, 24 hours, you're at this point, And then at 48 hours, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was 48 hours. You're dead. Um, and yeah. even, well, actually, or go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and even to the point of showing the scans, I was, I thought that was super interesting. Seeing um, when uh, Ma- Major Salt or uh, Cuba, uh, Cuban Gooding Jr.'s character, he was going through and looking at it and showing them how the virus mutated in cells, and I, I thought that was interesting. And he he was he was going through. This is one hour. This is two hours. This is you know. 12 hours this is 24 hours and then like it, it was crazy how quick and 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 maybe you know the exact numbers but it was like it was something like 24 hours or 48 hours i mean it just completely it just would kill all of your cells until there was nowhere else for it to go yeah well i'll say as far as a timeline goes um we start in 1967 in Zaire, uh, where we first see this virus, Matabo. Um, and <laughs> did you like that segue, Dustin? I, th- I think you loved it. <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> we see it's pretty much uh, a little government outpost that was there. They were 
they were there for a certain reason that isn't quite clear. They kind of run through it, but um, there's people that are sick there and it's, I mean, it's bad. You know, you're looking at a lot of these soldiers who are obviously bleeding. They got uh, like pustules on their, on their face um, all over their body from what you can see. And uh, the, whoever the, the, the general, whoever it is, is like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to send supplies and everything so we can take care of these guys. And what they end up doing is, is they send a bomb. Um, and then it destroys that little area because they, they didn't two reasons. They didn't want the virus to spread and they didn't want anyone to know about that. This virus had, had existed. So, from there, uh, we pretty much fast forward to um, an individual named Jimbo. Now, I don't know if one of you guys want to kind of go through what Jim, who Jimbo is, but well, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, t- before you take that though, I, I, it's real quick. I think it's really interesting to note the type of bomb that it was. Um, the bomb didn't just explode and send things everywhere. I, they were very detailed in the fact that the bomb would blow up and suck in everything like almost to the center of where the bomb had went off so that basically it not only would it totally eradicate everything that's within it, but it would almost like, it was almost like a vacuum to suck in any virus or any, anything that was there. You couldn't, you couldn't even find the remains of, anybody that would have been affected it was almost like it it never happened i thought that was pretty interesting they went into the detail of kind of the bomb itself and what it did uh now i'm sorry go ahead ryan yeah well well, it did yeah it seemed like a mini nuke um like yeah it was weird like just a small area that it just completely obliterated i think Um, they called it a fuel air bomb which they did say it was supposed to be like the 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 biggest non nuclear device in the uh, in the United States military, um, as yes. far as that's concerned. Which is funny because I'm pretty sure um, real life that's the Moab bomb, which is the uh, stands for Mother of All Bombs or the massive uh, massive ordnance air burst uh, bomb. So basically, it's not going to detonate on when it hits the ground. It's going to air burst above it, and I don't know the exact specifics, but like you said, when the way they described it, um, basically, as the blast goes off, it's it's pulling all air towards it and basically choking off anything that's there before it incinerates the the ox. So it's like all the oxygen and everything else rushes towards the bomb, and then the bomb incinerates all the oxygen that was there. Uh, thus killing anything in the air and then also um, being hot enough to set fire to all of, you know, all the uh, all the decaying bodies and everything else that would have been there. So as far as um, you said Jimbo, correct? Uh, yes. So, <laughs> so first thing about Jimbo, uh, the character Jimbo Scott... Um, he is played by Patrick Dempsey, which is funny because I, I've heard that name before when, in, in watching movies and stuff, but it's weird because I've, <laughs> you guys are going to think this is funny of me, but 
I actually recognized him. Uh, you ever do that where you like you see actors or actresses and you're like, what are they in? Oh my goodness, I know, I know, I've seen that person somewhere. Um, I actually recognized Patrick Dempsey from his uh, his character uh, McDreamy on Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. And uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> Hold on, I, I want to explain how I came to this knowledge because pretty much how he's describing it is how I found out about it from him in person. He he was just like really fixated on this character like I could feel like I've seen this guy somewhere. You know, I kind of recognized him but I I couldn't put his face to any other movies or characters. You know, cuz you got to especially maybe this old you got to try and like maybe take some of his hair off or uh, maybe put some facial hair on him and try to see if that changes his appearance um, in your mind. But probably about five minutes later or so, Ryan goes, it's Patrick Dempsey. Like, he, he says it like, like, I also would probably <laughs> know that. And I had no idea. Like, I was just like, oh, cool, I guess. You know, and then he was just like, he's in Grey's Anatomy. You know, and I'm like, again... <laughs> That's awesome, I guess. I've never seen it and probably never will. And Be it, glad. It was just and an then, amazing... And then uh, the conversation <laughs> turned to be like, well, Ryan, do you watch Grey's Anatomy? I'm like, oh, well, I mean, my wife does. And, I, I, and, and I, I'm in the room. So, I, so I would I mean, be in the room. And of course, if the room, you know, if I'm in the room and the TV's on, like I'm going to pay a little attention to what's happening on the screen. <laughs> In most mm. cases, I would agree with you, but when it's Grey's Anatomy, I, I I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you need to walk away. <laughs> okay. Walk away every time. So, like we said, Patrick Dempsey plays Jimbo Scott. Jimbo Scott. Um, I'm not really sure what he does for a living, but uh, he basically, um, so that same place. Yeah, uh, he worked at an animal yeah. testing facility. Yeah. He's oh, okay. Yeah. Smuggled so he worked in an animal. Exotic but, animals. So yeah, and- so yeah, he works. He works in an animal testing facility, but apparently he's also like on the side helping a pet shop owner in Cedar Creek, uh, California, which is where the rest of the movie is basically based out of. So he takes a monkey off of a uh, out of a ship that had been sent in. Uh, the ship had picked up the monkey from Zaire, uh, the same place yeah. where the original uh, outbreak had happened, which is another outbreak is happening, which is where Dustin Hoffman's character, Sam Daniels, uh, is actually brought in to investigate that. So uh, while this investigation is going on, uh, this monkey, you like, you keep seeing all oh, this little, little uh, marsupial monkey. Uh, which... I'm not sure what the. No, no, it's a, it's a uh, capuchin. A capuchin, Which sorry. is definitely... I said, uh, I said marsupial because I'm thinking of Marcel from he's Friends. Di- I was just going to say, we God. all know that that was <laughs> Marcel from Friends. <laughs> I, I was... Uh, I was uh, called it a marsupial because it's, because it's Marcel from Friends. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. That's... Oh my gosh! I'm, I'm ac- I was great. actually looking to see if that was him. It doesn't say on the cast. Apparently, he's not a big enough actor, the monkey, to get his name on to the be cast. on the IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, that that would have been amazing if it was actually the same monkey. That, it would be great. 
Um, I mean, it's around the same time uh, as Friends, as Marcellus would have been on Friends. So I, you know, kind of in the early, early to mid nineties. That's true. We, we should actually, uh, after the show, do some research into when. when we will update you all on our Twitter. Or if anyone listening, listening can, you know, if you find out, right? Yeah, let that us know. This was in fact uh, Marcel from France. R O T M Radio incredible. on Twitter. Let us know. <laughs> All right, so Jimbo Scott, like I said, he uh, so he he takes. Uh, can we just call him Marcel? Like, can we just do? We should we just call him? I, yeah, it's Marcellus. I like that. Okay. Uh, the the monkey's name is called Betsy in the film, but I I think Marcel uh, will be will be a lot better of a yeah. So we're just gonna call him Marcel, and um, <laughs> it yeah, literally gave him a name, that. and we're gonna call him Marcel. <laughs> No, the little girl at the end gave him a name. That's, That's true. It was called Betsy. So um, we'll just call him Marcel until we get to the end, and then we'll switch bets to Betsy and confuse the crap out of everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jimbo Scott he takes uh, he takes Marcel and sort of smuggles him out, you know, by uh, giving the giving the security guard who apparently looks like they're probably buddy buddy, uh, giving the security guard a hundred bucks or whatever to look the other way. Uh, so he takes he takes the monkey to this uh, pet you know pet shop in Cedar Creek, California, and basically they was like the guy's like oh I can't sell him I I need a you know I've already got a male I need a female to mate him blah 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 well well but before that on his on his drive um, Marcel had. <laughs> <laughs> Marcel was in his cage and he was drinking water and he had spit the water at uh at Jimbo while like Jimbo was like talking to him or whatever as he's driving and and Marcel spit water and it hit him in the face and got into his mouth um on his dun, way dun, to dun. Uh, yeah, exactly dun, dun, dun. uh Rudy uh yeah I actually forgot about that detail and actually hearing that from you that actually makes sense because i i kept wondering to myself how uh spoiler alert how uh jimbo ended up getting the motaba and dying and having his uh having his organs liquefied but um <laughs> so jimbo takes the monkey and then the the shop owner's like i can't sell him you know i i or i can't use him because he's not a uh I've already got a male or something like that. Like I need, I need a male and a female or whatever. And while this is all going on, uh, Marcel scratches the arm of the shopkeeper. Um, and then we sort of figure out after this happens that Marcel is the carrier of the Motaba virus or that he's like patient zero or, uh, Oh, the host is what they kept calling him. The host. Um, so we go from there to Jimbo goes and takes Marcel and said, you know, just tries to let him out into the wilderness. Uh, looked like maybe like the Redwood Forest or something. I know they were in the San Francisco area, I, I think is where the Cedar Creek, California is supposed to be based out of. I don't know if it's a real town or not. It, it might be. Um, I didn't look it up. And then, so he tried, he, he shoes him out and then, uh, Jimbo Scott ends up boarding a plane and trying to er, and flying to Boston. I don't know if he's from Boston or whatever, but uh, so he meets a girlfriend and uh, on the plane, 
you can tell he just looks awful. Like he's got red blotches all over his face. He's coughing constantly. Just like a, looks like a miserable human being. And then he gets to the airport and then his girlfriend or significant other of some point of some type, I should say, uh, shows up to greet him. And and she's like, oh, my goodness, you look awful. And he's like, oh, no, I just I, I feel bad, but I'm OK. And then they kiss each other, which I was like, the grossest kiss ever. Why are you like, yeah, it's, it's the they, most disgusting kiss ever, because I'm like, <laughs> why are you kissing him? Look at his face like, right. He's obviously not well. Like, I don't, you know, like, it can be hard to tell if somebody has a cold, but if my wife has a cold, I don't kiss her. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it was so, it was so stupid to me in that moment to be like, wait, I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting, like, the way they did this whole little sequence, because they kept doing kind of like, is he going to infect this person or this person? Like, to me, the kid in the um, – <laughs> that was kind of weird. There's a kid that comes up on the plane that um, he – like, they show a close-up of him eating a cookie and he lays it down. And, you know, you just kind of – again, that dun-dun-dun moment. You're like, who's going to pick up the cookie? And then this, like, really innocent kid comes by. And you kind of know at the beginning, anybody who gets the virus, they're not going to find the antidote soon. So it's like whoever gets it's going to die at the beginning. And so you see this like really cute kid coming, you know, in a in a ca- kind of a cowboy outfit. And I thought it was weird. Like, you know, he's a, he looks like he's about to die. And he's like, can I have your cookie? And he's like, sure. And the mom comes up and like right in the nick of time says, yeah, no, son, don't don't take it. And then (laughs) the guy, again, super sick, looks at her and he's like, I don't want to mess with the law. (laughs) Yeah, like like, it's no problem. He's literally just like creeper. (laughs) Like he literally looks like he's already five and a half feet under. And he's like, (laughs) it's okay, ma'am. I don't want to. It's no bother. I don't want no trouble from the law, yeah. you know. And then she looks at him like you're the creepiest person, right? I've ever seen I mean, in my he's life. sitting there, and sweating, he looks eyes like red. death, <laughs> like literally just like death warmed over at this point. And yeah, it's so like, but you do see that like the the in the movie they they the first few sequences is like is they would show him and then even later when other people are getting it, are they going to pass it to other people at the airport? You see just they'll rub shoulders with someone and you're just wondering, Oh, is that person going to get it? That they really kind of played that a lot where um, you're kind of seeing this virus spread or not spread depending on, you know, in like in this case where you, you, you're just like, Oh crap, the boy's going to die. And then his mom stops him. And you're like, okay, thank God he's not, you know, but right. Thank goodness for a responsible parent. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I'll say this was one of my biggest issues with the movie was he, he comes off the plane to greet his girlfriend, just like you guys said. And he's, he's looking quite obviously sick and his girlfriend even makes the statement before like like she embraces him and is just like you look really bad and then this isn't just they give a a kiss on the lips right i mean they full-on make out for like three seconds Uh, it's it 
at which point and then he, he collapses out. like like yeah like he was on he was on the verge of like succumbing to this thing and she's just like yeah let's you look like somebody i should probably transfer fluids right. with. let's do it right and, here <laughs> yeah I mean, again just like you said whenever your wife has a cold and you, you know whenever you know and it's depending on the thing right like, like if she has it's obviously the sniffles of some kind and not just she coughed a little bit you know like i'm, I'm gonna give it a couple days like let it run its course not try to infect myself as yeah. well like cold suck this this was the um, one like the one part that my wife kind of walked in on um, and I even said to her, I said, this would make a top 10 most disgusting movie kisses ever, you know, like, and that's without him being sick. It just, the kiss itself was so disgusting. <laughs> but then you add the fact that his <laughs> eyes are about to blow out of his head and blood is about to start streaming down. You know, it's like, it was just, like you said, what she, she must've been really missing him. <laughs> yeah and that's the other thing too it's just like him he's he's literally at that point succumbing to the whole thing like i don't know i don't i don't get why he was just like nah it's fine whatever it's like come on you know dr mcdreamy like resident <laughs> surgeon gosh here we seattle, go seattle grace hospital <laughs> grace i don't know anatomy. why i know all this why <laughs> Yeah, 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 you don't have the sense to be like, baby, I'm I'm sick. Like something's wrong. Yeah, you know, you're just like, no, let's let's do this. I missed you too, sweetie. I mean, and just and, and then it's just like with the kid, where it's just like, <laughs> it's okay, ma'am. Like no, like I don't know. It's like the way he looked was just like you know some junkie that's strung out on the street, but also has like the worst flu of his life at the same time, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty awful. Um, so of course, like he, so the so the hospital doesn't know what to do because they don't know what this is, and part of the reason they didn't know what this is is because now this is where it gets a little dicey. Is because so Dustin Dustin Hoffman's character Sam Daniels, he's a colonel in the army and he works for uh, I forget what it's like a certain there was like an acronym for what they do um, he his ex-wife who is Renee Russo or Russo uh, plays uh, a character by the name of Robbie they are ex-husband and wife uh, Sam Daniels or Colonel Sam Daniels uh, is in the army's base I, like let's just say it's basically like the army's version of the CDC right Yes. And then uh, yeah. uh, his ex-wife, Robbie, is now going to go work for the CDC. Um, so kind of the kind of the command ranks here, just for a second. So Dustin Hoffman's character, Sam Daniels, works directly underneath Morgan Freeman's uh, character of General Billy Ford. And uh, Morgan Freeman works directly under Donald Sutherland, who is General Donald McClintock. And... So that's kind of the the pecking order when it comes to them. And of course, you've also got underneath uh, Dustin Hoffman's uh, character, uh, you have uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. as Major Salt and Kevin Spacey as, uh, I guess that would have been, uh, was he a colonel also? I think he was a colonel, uh, Casey Schuler. So they're all kind of working together. So one of the problems with this is, as we find out later in the movie, 
that Donald Sutherland and Morgan Freeman were the first two army doctors at the beginning of the movie because you don't see who they are because they're dressed in full like chemical suits and all that kind of stuff when they show up there. They got these shaded uh, gas masks and uh, or uh, oxygen masks on to where you can't see their faces, but you don't know. But what you find out is Morgan Freeman and Donald Sutherland, so General Billy Ford and General Donald McClintock, we find out that the army apparently created this Motaba, and we find out that they wanted to keep it as a weapon. So part of the reason they firebombed the village to begin with was to keep the weapon safe or keep the weapon a secret. Um, so while this is all going on, you know, uh, Sam Daniels, Colonel Sam Daniels, is basically saying, we need to put an alert out about this, uh, about this Motaba that we just found. And he's immediately getting blocked. And they're trying to actually send him off the case. And they, they're saying, like, oh, we need you over here. Uh, it kills too fast for us to even put an alert out. So because of, the fast, because of the fact that it kills so fast, there's really no likelihood of it spreading. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Rene Russo uh, becomes part of the CDC at this point. And, uh, or excuse me, um, character of Robbie. Uh becomes part of the the CDC at the time. So Sam Daniels starts reaching out to the to the CDC or his ex-wife and basically saying, "I need you to put an alert out for this because, you know, he's he's worried about an outbreak break happening." So, because there's no alert put out, the hospitals don't know what to do when all of a sudden you've got Jimbo Scott and his girlfriend showing up to the hospital. Jimbo already pretty much on death's door, you know, and then his girlfriend being the same way. Uh, they don't know what to do, but so Rene Russo's uh, character, Robbie, shows up uh, and they're in Boston. So right now it's like you're in two different locations. It started out in Cedar Creek. It's in Boston. Come to find out nobody else in Boston got infected somehow, you know, because nobody else made out with Jimbo right after he got off the plane. Uh, so luckily nobody else has caught it. So the CDC is like, all right, yay, we got it. You know, it's, it's fine. Well, I think uh, both of those people, I think that there was, I think there was a few people at the airport that did catch it. Um, because they were, they were starting it, there, it showed a couple people being wheeled in, but they were able to contain it very quickly. Yeah, and like you said, I, I, I don't think it – maybe I'm wrong. I didn't think it was just Jimbo and his girlfriend, but I, I thought that it was like one of those things where they they kind of – they did rub shoulder with some people, and they were but they were able to contain it really quickly, and they did. They were having like a little party, and as they're having their party, there's a fax that comes in saying there's 15 cases, you know, elsewhere. Creek. Yeah. I, I don't think I, – I think it was only the two was that it? were in Boston okay. because at that point, the, uh, Jimbo only had the the not, the original Motaba. He didn't have the um, the mutated Motaba that would end up being airborne. Yes. Um, so he's got – so they die, and then, of course, now all of a sudden it's, bam, 15 people have it in Cedar Creek, California. So an immediate – quarantine of this town happens and i'm not talking like covid19 quarantine where it's like you know stay in your house but you can go to walmart and still be you know around other people it's like military barricaded 
streets, everything. The military is running down the road, you know, with full, you know, full arms going. Uh, helicopters are chasing people down who are trying to get out of the town. Uh, it's a full military quarantine at yeah. this point. I, they were given at one point in the movie, they gave them a curfew and it was like three in the afternoon. I mean, it was, it was, they were, it was crazy watching kind of how strict they were being. Yeah. Rudy, Rudy Alvarez, who was the, um, who was the, uh, the, the owner of the pet store that Jimbo tried to sell the monkey to he also was infected which is where the outbreak and the original outbreak that we see in cedar creek occurs uh and then from there um uh, one of the doctors um was was uh he, they were he was like a i guess some type of um lab tech uh he 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 had a centrifuge of blood vials and I, I believe he was listening to baseball or something, and he just nonchalantly just like puts his hand into the middle of the centrifuge as it's running, like he 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 wasn't paying attention. Um, was the implication there? And then you just see you know blood go everywhere, and he's just like ah, oh, and he washes it off. And then we get from there to the first case of the airborne virus, where we see the same hospital tech. Uh, in a movie theater. So that doctor that was messing with the centrifuge, is he the one that ends up going to the theater? Or the movie theater? Yes. And then, okay, yeah. So then everyone's yep. all of a sudden getting infected from the movie theater. Yes. Uh, yeah, so he starts, like, coughing, and it, sh- it, 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 like, zooms into, like, the tiny particles to imply that it has gone airborne. Um, which was one of the things earlier in the movies, you know, they're like, oh, you know, it's not airborne. Um, it just seems like it's, you know, contact transferred via contact or body bodily fluids. Um, and just a little tidbit, I did a little bit of looking this up and airborne is airborne means that it's, it's not just you cough and it's in the water droplets, but that it can actually live onto air particulates. Um, not just transferred because, because you, you coughed and then somebody else breathed in the cough droplets. It's also the fact that it can ad- adhere to, to dust or surfaces or whatever, and can be um, carried on those particles into the air. Like they, they can live longer on those particles and have a high, uh, they, they have a more of an ability, uh, uh, the ability to infect someone via the air, whereas opposed to other viruses that don't really survive that long. Um, outside of the body like they like they they quickly die as soon as they uh, are no longer on the body so just a quick little tidbit that i read there's a lot to it so you know i'm just trying to give you the easiest digestible version of that so we see this doc and he has now spread uh pretty much to this whole theater of people um this this motaba virus and now things are really getting crazy because uh it's it's shortly after um that sam daniels colonel sam daniels realizes like because they're they're wondering I, i can't remember exactly what it was uh i don't know if one of you might be able to help me that 
made him realize if it was just the influx of people that were coming in. Oh no! Or no, 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 they were observing it. Well, no, because they the, were observing uh, the the strains, right? Well, yeah, I mean, once they figured out that it was airborne, they looked at the strains again and realized it had mutated. Yeah. But the way they figured out that it was actually airborne again was the fact that a a person who had been in the hospital uh, for like a week because of a car accident all of a sudden is showing signs of the Motaba virus, and he had been completely isolated away from the Motaba patients. And then that's when yeah. uh, right. Colonel Sam Daniels yep. is kind of like, he, he looks up and then you see like a the camera scene. sort of goes through the uh, through the ventilation system and it's like, it's in the vents, it's, you know, it's it's gone airborne. Yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, I completely forgot about that part. Um, yeah, so they realize it's airborne, then they actually take the uh, strains and they they kind of look at uh, the differences between the tra- strains and interesting enough um, I'm I'm almost positive the strain that they use or the 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 the, the, the virus the shape of the virus um, is the same shape as Ebola so you ever seen how Ebola looks like these viruses have these distinct uh, these distinct designs <laughs> almost um, now I have no idea. I'm not a virologist, so it's very hard for me to be like, oh yeah, you know, they, they all like, maybe they all look like that. And it's just about their genetic sequence that differs from one another. But I'm pretty sure, I mean, there, there are different like looks to like when you see Ebola and you like search Google images, you can find, um, that particular shape. Um, and you'll see it in there too. And, and they, they did it by, uh, like, they zoomed in on it and could see, like, tiny hairs or something like that. Flagellin, whatever it was. Um, and, Dustin, I know that you were saying, like, that was really cool. And I thought it was really good as far as how it was presented to the audience. Because, I mean, not a lot of us really understand that or understand the intricacies behind it. And I was wondering, I was kind of wondering how... Uh, how absurd or how legitimate some of this was. And this was one of the few things that I read that was pretty much something that's not ever going to happen because the uh, telling the actual difference between similar strains like that is, is just not something that, uh, that, that just, you can't even really tell that much. You actually have to look at their genetic sequences and look at differences that way. Or that, that that's actually a more effective way of uh, noticing differences, which I thought was interesting. Because it would always be nice to see, oh man, the, <laughs> the new airborne virus, uh, you know, it spawned like an axe or something or some type of weapon that it's chopping up cells with. You know, like that's freaking sweet. But, well, let me... Sadly, you know, it, we don't see a battle axe next to, like, this airborne strike. I, I just, really quickly, I, I, is that a, uh, is that a RuneScape reference that you, <laughs> that you're giving there? Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> I, I thought so. Um, uh, a halberd. Now, let me ask, because I, I thought this during, during the movie, like, when that, when he was looking at that, and then it, I was like, well, maybe... You know, they never really mention it, so maybe I was just looking into it a little too much. But it seemed like, like, I kept right from the beginning getting, and you kind of already know, um, 
I, I, I don't know if you know right then and there if you know that it's a government kind of cover up. You know that they're trying to cover the virus up at the beginning. I didn't know if it was created yet. So when he's looking at the difference, my first thought was the second the airborne virus was like a synthetic version. So it was almost like I thought, and and again, I was I don't think I was correct on this, but I just I'm interested to hear your thoughts. When I first saw them talking about that, and he was showing kind of how like one of them was just a general. It showed the virus was just in general, and the other one looked like it had almost like little slices in it. I was I was like, I wonder if this is how they're going to get to the fact that they figure out, oh, the government created this one to basically be like the original virus. Um, I don't think that that's the direction they went, but that was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, we're going to find out that the government actually created the second one and they're doing more testing on it or something. Um, so I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. And I again, I don't think that that's how it actually played out, but it was just that was my first thought when I saw it. Yeah, uh, it, so it didn't, I I didn't, my, my mind didn't go there, but that was just because I've been familiar with um, that, the fact that I, I know that viruses have that potential to mutate and change. They do all the time. Um, that's why, uh, like, they have to create, like, yearly boosters for flus because the it's always changing bit by bit. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's a whole nother thing, but uh, and I mean Ebola has the potential to mutate to something that can be aerosolized like that and transfer through the air. Um, I mean it seems scary on paper whenever you know you you hear that, but I still think um, with the fact the fact that this virus like i think you guys were talking about before like the, they found out the timeline was fairly quick um as in like you started so showing symptoms quite soon i feel like that that would be if something like that were the case where it's it's something that acts quickly um it would be a little bit easier to uh contain and isolate yourself in that manner um, still be very scary, especially when they're talking about you're pretty much going to die if you get it um, without without a known cure at the time. But just something in like real life, like something as scary as Ebola is or the, that particular strain of Ebola, whatever, um, the one that's that's terrible and it, and it kills you like people pretty much die which is just like they explained in the movie is actually kind of a benefit because it ends up just killing them before they they're they're able to spread it around um it kills the the hosts too fast and and i will also say the as far as i'm aware the army didn't create this virus they covered it up for the purpose of like they didn't want anyone else using it um in, in terms of biological warfare, right. so they didn't want they didn't want it used against them, and they also possibly, probably were looking into ways to. Well, the only out. reason I asked that there was, and again, I, I didn't think the original virus was created. I thought the synthetic, like airborne one, might have been, and it was 
Uh, it was the scene where the McClintock, uh, Colonel McClintock, was talking with um, Colonel uh, Oh Morgan Freeman's character. Um, um, it's mistaking me. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Billy Ford, Colonel Ford, um, and he, you know, they were kind of talking, and he said, "That's the that's the psychological warfare game." He, you know, he's kind of talking about how they, um, you know, it was, it was, he was, they were talking about whether or not they should do it, kind of having that conversation. And it, it just made me think, oh, I wonder if somehow this, this second version was, and maybe even they didn't intentionally put it out, but they, they were trying, like it got out and they were worried. They're like, oh gosh, we got to do this again. Um, but I, I don't know. And like I said, I don't know that that necessarily panned out that way. It just seemed, it seemed like they have a, uh, they just, they, they had a lot of control over it. So I thought maybe the synthetic ver or again, the airborne version in my mind, I think I just kept thinking synthetic version and maybe that's it. I just decided that it was a synthetic version, but, uh, yeah. um, it, <laughs> I mean, I think it's an interesting thought, like seeing your perspective on it from like where you came from, like assuming like this movie would have went a different direction and reading into what was being said, because some of it was and I I think it's part of the art uh, of, of how they were speaking to one another, because it's not like he he can't like tell Sam directly like what's going on right. because he has that background knowledge of everything. So it's well, like. You know, there's there's several ways that you can kind yeah, of read into. Yeah, and I'll say this, and this will be the last last that. thing I say on this particular point. But I will say that I think I started exactly what you're saying at the very kind of the beginning of it. I just I was really thinking, okay, this is going to be the government created this. It's a cover up. That whole thing. And then as the movie did flesh itself out, I really do think it was kind of, it was interesting to see. It's like, no, I don't think even the McClintock character, I don't think as much as he just really likes dropping bombs on people for some reason. Um, he, I think even for him, he, he legitimately was just trying to save millions of people. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think that anybody came across as deliberately just totally evil by the end of the movie. It was more like just the general, hey, let's keep the the general population from panicking and let's contain this. Um, because, you know, when you they go into the meeting with the president, which I don't know if you want to talk about that, but or not with the president, but with like his staff, the president wasn't actually there. But they go into that and, you know, they're proposing this bomb and the other guy is just like, listen, I want you to look at the faces of these people and I want them to become faces to you before you make the decision to just kill them. And while obviously, you know, you have two choices, you know, and it was crazy seeing the graph that they had proposed in like a week or something like that, that it would literally consume a hundred percent of America. And they're like, we have two choices, kill, you know, kill uh, this one town, you know, 200 and, or 2,500 people or 
250 million people. Like, which, which do you choose? And so by the end of it, I do think, like, you know, even McClintock himself was a little, you know, he's still the antagonist, but there was a little bit of, okay, I get where he's coming from. I get the, you know, your job is to not just protect a city, it's to protect a nation. And there's a big... It's just a really interesting crux of position. But I, yeah, I do think originally I was very, I was kind of on the conspiracy like, okay, the government is really trying to, they're creating this weapon and they're testing it on people. And that's kind of what I thought. And then, like I said, the movie kind of played a different way, but. Yeah. Well, let me, let, let's go ahead and I'll, I'll take us through, um, some of the nitty gritty and then we can get to those juicy details. Cause I do have, um, some thoughts on, uh, like what you're saying. And, and I think that that's going to be a very interesting conversation when we get around to it. Uh, so for now we're going to go back to, uh, the, the guy he infected, he infected pretty much the whole town cause it started to go airborne and then pretty much everyone comes together. So, uh, this was whenever, like, they were trying to get Sam Ford off. Uh, not Sam Ford. Um, uh, Sam Daniels off the case. They were trying to send him to Albuquerque, New Mexico on some random outbreak of, you know, some other virus that we take for granted now. Uh, but he ends up just defying those orders. He goes directly to this town to try and help and figure out what's going on. Um, he teams up with... Um, his ex-wife, Roberta, or Robbie's um, team, who's there now and was actually surprised to see her there once she arrives. And that's where we also see Casey Schuler and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. playing Major Salt. Well, well, he actually comes in with Daniels, I believe. I can't remember specifically. But either way, um, what's important is that they're in the town now. They They begin pretty much this search of where did this come from? Where did it start? You know, they, they pretty much, they go to Jimbo. They, they, they find out that he was, um, a smuggler. And and at this time, the army is also, this is where the army really starts to lay down the, uh, the martial law. They come and they lock everything down. Um, there's that scene where, uh, the two, the two, uh, families in the trucks, um, they're trying to find a way out of the city because, you know, they're being locked up and they're, they're scared. I mean, I think it's a real thing to worry about whenever your town is being locked down and you're not really being told why, uh, you know, you're, you're just like, Hey, look, there's something going on. Um, or, or you, you right. Or even if it's a virus, right? Like it's, you don't, you don't want to stay there with a bunch of other people in a small town that could be infected and possibly chance infecting yourself. But we, yeah, we see these two leave. They try to take a route through the woods and are promptly stopped by, uh, I'm not sure what type of helicopter it was. All I know is that it had two big guns on it and, you know, like, uh, two missile launchers on either side. Uh, and for some reason, they got the idea, the, 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 the truck leading, like there, there was a truck in front, a truck behind, um, and the, the pickup in front decides we're going to take pot shots at the helicopter with our bolt action rifle. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, 
at that point, like once I see the helicopter coming down in front of me, especially one that has, it clearly has some weaponry on it that you're not going to defeat. You know, you just stop. Okay, you got me. Dang it. I guess I'm going to stay quarantined or whatever. Uh, So they decide to shoot at it, and the helicopter promptly responds, probably appropriately or not. I don't know. It kind of depends on how you look at it. But they obliterate that one. Thankfully, the one that had... I think think that first one didn't actually have a family in it. It It was just two men that we see, right? They could have just been friends or something <laughs> yeah a couple of hicks um and then behind it, it was a guy his wife and uh, a girl or, or, or uh, his daughter or something like it. it was a family so he stops smartly doesn't do anything else after seeing uh what are presumably his buddies get destroyed in the truck in front of him um so back to jimbo and the search for the host uh, or, or, you know, they, 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 at this point, they believe they know that it's an animal of some kind or that, that they're, they're assuming that because of what Jimbo worked as and the fact that he was like the first guy that came down with this. So they're like, okay, we need to find out where he's been. Uh, they end up going to uh, some facility that had, uh, a portion that we forgot is that the the monkey was transported via a cargo ship, and there was one individual on that cargo ship called the Tai Cuck Seattle, by the way, the the ship's name. Uh, the individual on the cargo ship was was the only one handling the monkey and and feeding it or whatever. We just briefly see this individual in the beginning. Um, they somehow find the. Uh, the uh, ship's itinerary or the, um, I don't know, the checklist, the manifest. There we go. Um, and they they find, oh, I, I can't even remember. Do you guys remember what exactly they correlated there to to find the, the ship that uh, the, the host had been on, like, and how it correlated to Jimbo? They, they I remember them, re- they kind of, if I'm not, if I'm not wrong, they were doing they they kind of went into and, and you guys would know more what these places are, but basically they they found the history of what had like what I guess ships had come they from cor- overseas. They were correlating the uh, the manifest of the ship versus the animals that they had already tested in the in in the warehouse where Jimbo originally took the monkey out of. Oh, oh, right. And that's what they were okay. verifying, where they were like, okay, you know, this animal, you know, already tested them, already tested them, already tested them, and then bam, you know, they find, uh, <clears throat> with the shipping records, the manifest of what's supposed to be on yeah. that ship, and uh, figure out, okay, there's just one monkey that's missing, that's, you know, that's our host. Right, okay. And then, and they actually, like, went to the ship um, after uh, stealing a helicopter, because at this point, um, so during during the martial law and everything, and because Sam was there, uh, he was there um, on his own accord, even though he was ordered to go somewhere else. Um, General McClintock um, orders for his arrest, so they're actively looking for Sam Daniels, and they, of course, are going to figure he's at the place where 
everyone's being treated. So Major Salt, his, his important part is that he's a helicopter pilot. Um, and he's pretty much like, hey, you know, can you fly us out of here or whatever? You know, yes, sir. Uh, he goes, he convinces, he convinces uh, one of the guys to, he's saying, hey, I need to, uh, I'm getting out of here. Um, actually, we might need to cut this back and. I can't. I I might be conflating two things, because I I, I think I was conflating whenever he was uh, changing his his flight to to the Cedar Creek instead of Albuquerque, because I because they I think they just go and steal the aircraft. Yeah, they just go yeah. steal the helicopter. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, because that, General McClintock has up. ordered Sam Daniels to be arrested, right. he, and and them going yeah. to all Albuquerque right, right. was much was earlier. Was actually the reason why he had ordered him to be arrested. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, um, so Major Salt and Sam they just go and pretty much steal a helicopter, and it, there was a there was just a small, um. One of those smaller uh, two-person helicopters uh, that they steal because he's like, we need to go and find out this information because people are people are just they're dying quickly. This thing's acting fast. It's spreading. It's airborne, and they're planning for the fact that it, we they don't know if they've contained everybody in that area. Um, so they're preparing for the fact that it it outbreaks past there. Uh, so anyways, they go to the Ty Cook, Seattle, uh, they figure out that there was, or are they, they're like, Hey, uh, uh, Sam's on there. He's like, Hey, I'm a doctor. And they're like, Oh, doctor, they don't speak English very well. They're, uh, uh, it's a Korean vessel. Now, and now you can't just skip over the fact that, uh, the, uh, general salt or not general, but, uh. Major Salt Major. is just an amazing pilot and <laughs> and somehow allows um say General Daniels just to he has to jump from the the helicopter onto the ship. Which I was just I was laughing, especially since there was a you know, obviously a language barrier, but can you imagine being on the ship and all of a sudden this Helicopter is just coming near you and a guy's jumping off in a uniform. And like, I was surprised nobody shot at him. Like, I, you know, it was just like, what is this dude doing <laughs> jumping onto our ship? I just thought that was funny. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't really think about it that much. Well, well I, I just thought about it briefly. Just like, like, what would you do? Like if you're a vessel and a small helicopter just hovers over to your side and it's like uh like do you what do you prepare for there like you have no idea what this helicopter is coming over there at you um but it's also a tiny helicopter you know it's it's and it's one helicopter and you're like well you know surely like it, it, there might be a little bit of a sense of danger but you know how much how much is it actually going to do and then you see this dude trying to actually board like he's about he's preparing to jump off of the helicopter. Um, I, I, I really don't know. Uh, I really don't know what I would do there. Uh, but 
he does sam successfully lands he says hey i'm a doctor and then they go they they hear the word doctor and they go oh yeah and then they take him to a freezer where the guy who originally handled the monkey was dead from what looked like uh the hemorrhagic fever the 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 motaba virus and and then that's when they realize uh or they go they they pretty much say hey where did this guy stay they take him to, uh they take they take sam to the to his quarters where he finds two pictures of uh marcel and uh so from there if you would like to take us to our next journey ryan that would be great yeah, so from there, uh, uh, Sam Daniel and Major Salt, they get back on the helicopter, and they end up actually showing up at a news station, local news station, to put out the word. And this is <clears throat> this is kind of taking a jump, because there's a, a complete media blackout of all of Cedar Creek, uh, California, and everything that's been going on there. So... He's actually now breaking the rules, and at this point, he's actively being hunted down by uh, General McClintock's forces because he's been ordered to be arrested. Uh, so they get to the, the TV station and basically put out the word, like, you know, uh, we're looking for this monkey. If you've seen the monkey, the monkey's very dangerous, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, don't go near it, all that kind of stuff. Well, then a, a woman calls because there's a little girl who's been feeding a monkey that keeps showing up in her uh, from the woods. <clears throat> and then the helicopter ride goes from the news station to the, these people's houses. And then you have, like, some of the highest drama in the entire movie happen at this point where um, they're using... Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. uses a a tranquilizer dart to fire on uh, Marcel, who we come to find out is named Betsy because the little girl has named, the little girl who's feeding the monkey has named the monkey um, Betsy. So Marcel became Betsy at that moment. She hadn't watched Friends. Um, No, no, not at all. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so he he sticks Marcel good with the... uh, with the tranquilizer dart, so now they have the host. Well, now they, they they're like, all right, we can get it back to the town. And um, I don't know if you talked about this at all, or I can't remember if you did or not. But uh, come to find out that Mc, uh, General McClintock and General, um, uh, is it yeah, Billy Ford? Yes. Yeah. 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 So both of them had had a antidote that, or like a serum made up for the original Motaba, not. And um, they were using it, but it was not being effective because it wasn't fighting this this certain strain. And that's why well, they I, needed- I just want to say, I, I just want to go back real quick because I think that this is a very important aspect that we kind of glossed over. And that is the use of a little girl as a lure for the monkey. Like, just put yourself in the parent's shoes, all right? Because at first they're like, they were sitting out there trying to get the monkey to come, and it wasn't coming. And then, you know, after, like, it just shows them, like, they're they're trying to kite the monkey out there, and then the little girl says, you know, Betsy only comes to me. And it's like, like, as the parent, I mean, there's no way that you want to risk 
your your daughter getting something that you know assuming that you know how terrifying and how real this virus is um that you want to chance the monkey uh getting it right i mean there there's well, coming near like do well, what? like coming near i mean imagining these these military guys which are all over the tv they i mean they come out and say hey we're looking for this monkey and um it is a, it's it's an emergency and like she was watching that tv show um she saw them that's why she called and so the first thing that what the tv show was actually running that they were wanted and then um after they come on the show and they say, Hey, give us a call. She calls. So she at least knows that like, this is the, um, I mean, clearly if it's on national news and this is all happening, you know, there's, she's got to know that this is the craziest thing, you know, happening. And you're, they come to your house and they're asking you to use your daughter as bait. Uh, Yeah. If the, if it were me, and they're pretty much like, oh, she's going to be fine, you know, but there's no way no, to guarantee that. I mean, that. He's, the monkey spit on a guy and he got it. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those things like they're just kind of praying that the girl doesn't get it. Yeah. And for the greater good, right? Like they need the ideas that they need this monkey or lots of people are going to die. And that kind of goes back to um, the argument that we'll probably run into later as to the greater good. Yeah. You know, um, no, is it worth risking this girl's life? If, if she can get the monkey to come like pretty much within a short amount of time, as opposed to sending out a search team, uh, to try and locate the monkey in this vast wooded area. Let me ask you, and, and this was just a question, you know, you said earlier going to, you know, not having, I, I myself not knowing anything about the way viruses and all that kind of stuff works. You guys may have a little more insight into that being both ex-military, but um, what I guess what was it about the host that, I mean, was it like, what? how did they know that he was carrying a antibody or was he or what like what was was it just they wanted the host so they could study it to find an antibody um it seemed like from the beginning they're like if we have the host we're good and i was confused like you know is he was he was the host guaranteed to have the answer or was it just like we can study it and we can see or was it because well what's happening he hadn't died what's yet? happening in the what's happening in the movie is because there's a uh, there was another monkey from the actual pet store that also had the virus, uh, and I'm assuming oh because he the other monkey got the virus from um, Betsy or whatever we're calling this monkey now um, got the got the virus from uh, Betsy by eating a banana that Betsy had been eating, and. So when when they brought in the super secret, you know, oh, we have the serum that we're trying to get it to work, um, the, that monkey ended up recovering. So they realized very quickly what happened was is that that monkey was given the original strain that hadn't mutated yet. So, like, because um, the, the disease didn't hadn't mutated at that point yet, so that monkey had the original 
uh, non-mutated form of Motaba in that monkey. And since that monkey survived, they realized, okay, we can still use this serum, but we need to change the genome, or whatever they call it, genome, of however that science-y stuff works for... But we need the host that's actually carrying the actual mutated uh, Motaba gene. Okay. Yeah, it was essentially they needed the antibodies to mix with the serum to create the anti-serum for the new strain, okay. um, the Airborne. And now that I think of it, I believe, I believe he mentioned that it wasn't that it mutated, but that the monkey ended up carrying both strains of the virus. Right. I believe I remember I remember him hearing that and that it wasn't just that it because that, that was another thing that was like, oh, just randomly mutated. You know, that was pretty crazy. And it actually was that it it, it held both strains. And so that's why we're seeing how some were infected with um, right. the original Zaire virus and then the others hitting the airborne. And then from there and and. and, and as a second part to the them finding out of that the that the original the E eleven oh one or whatever um, anti or uh, anti serum or whatever it was that they gave the the monkey that ate Marcel's banana um, they realized that it was a cure and that it wasn't because because he had been told by Billy that Sam was told by Billy that it was an experimental anti serum or something. And it turned out that it's something that they've had for quite some time now because they knew about it almost uh, 30 years ago. Because it's a weapon. Right. Or that Motaba was originally supposed to be a weapon. Well, well, it, it was more of they didn't want others to find out about it. and But they had already created the cure in the... Now, it's kind of strange because it's like... Like they, they still, like there was an outbreak for it here. They had a cure for it, but they just still didn't want it to get out to the public. And they were willing to withhold the cure and presumably kill everyone to seal the knowledge again. And it's like, I don't see how you would ever get that to work. As you know, it's one thing, a remote area in Africa, but then you're like, oh, we're going to do this on U.S. soil. And it's like, oh, maybe just stop it by giving people the cure, you know? Um, it's already out there. If you give them, they already have it. If you give them the cure, it's not like somebody can extract the virus from them at a later date and then you weaponize it or something, you know what I mean? Right. And this is kind of where it leads us, I mean, where you're, you're having those ethical dilemmas. And so what I'm going to do real quick is I'm just going to kind of give a fast summary of the rest i mean we're already coming up on an hour and a half here um i'm gonna give a kind of a summary real quick of kind of the rest of the movie uh that kind of plays into it and then we can actually sort of bat around some of these uh philosophical or these moral uh questions that were were happening here so that's part of the reason though that uh it, it was a little strange watching it because after you know they capture the monkey uh they immediately get on the horn back to general ford and say uh, uh, stop the plane because the plane has already taken off with the bomb to come wipe out Cedar Creek, California. Like they're going to completely bomb an entire town to remove this virus. They get on the horn with General Billy Ford and they're like, hey, listen, we got the host. Give us some time. We can get, you know, we can we can change the anti-serum and get one going. 
which is so that's Morgan Freeman's character. So he actually calls back the the plane to go land. But of course, for some reason, Donald Sutherland's character, General uh, McClintock, is not happy with it, um, and he gets he gets back from failing to capture uh, Colonel Daniels and Major Salt in their helicopter. Um, <clears throat> so he calls back out uh, the plane again. So it all kind of culminates with now once these. You know, once these two things are set in motion, they actually get an anti-serum. They find out that it is work. You know, or they actually didn't find out that it was working yet, but they they administered the anti-serum to, uh, which I don't know if we've jumped on this yet at all. But uh, Renee Russo's character actually accidentally pricks her finger with a needle, who she was trying to get blood out of Kate, Kevin Spacey's character, because Kevin Spacey's character ripped a hole in his hazmat suit. And ends up getting the virus, and Rene Russo is, you know, he jumped or something, and she accidentally stabbed herself with a needle that had been in his arm. So now she has it, um, which is part of this reason why, you know, Sam Daniels is running around, because he's trying to save his ex-wife. Because the whole movie, they keep going back and forth, you know, like, he loves her, obviously. Um, So the whole movie culminates with this, you know, with this epic height of drama. Sam Daniels is on the radio speaking directly to the pilots of the uh, of the bomber uh, plane that is coming and trying to tell them to turn around. They have an anti serum. There's no reason to kill all these people. Um, you know, you you need to not obey these orders. The president doesn't have all the information. And at the last minute, uh, Morgan Freeman's character says to Sam Daniels, "This plane is going to do its mission no matter what." Uh, the only way that this, you know, plane is going to stop is if you, you know, if you have to make it deviate from its flight plan. And then, uh, which is Morgan Freeman's way of saying, like, hey, go do this. This is how you get to, you know, get them to stop. Uh, the plane ends up being diverted uh, and dropping its bomb over the ocean, uh, which then upsets uh, General McClintock. Uh, but, of course, General Ford, who is... Um, who is under General McClintock, relieves General McClintock of duty, has him put under arrest, and uh, we come to find out that the anti-serum that they were able to make is working perfectly, everybody is getting better, and then, uh, you know, that cheesy line at the end about having the antibodies, and, uh, you know, fade to black. Bravo! Yes. Indeed. So, I think what we kind of, like, the biggest, the biggest thing is is the moral quandary of whether or not to firebomb this entire town because of this outbreak. What what did you what was your guys' thoughts when you were when you were watching this? Um so I'll say that uh, I didn't like I think they could have done a, done a little bit better with Donald Sutherland's character like I feel like they made him out to be a little bit too evil as opposed to him making a decision that he believes is the right decision. Yeah, um, he was very much like, like some of it, oh my god, he's like, like why is he not even giving this anti serum a chance? He's pushing for murdering people. Like it didn't make any sense really why. Yeah. Yeah, like he he's just trying to cover his tracks you know, because then it'll be discovered what happened in nineteen sixty seven or something whenever they 
you know, well, firebombed the tiny little I, I think area he that just they said were it. in. Because to me, I felt the same way. I thought he was a little too trigger happy. But I do, as the movie went on, as he's making his case for, hey, I really, you know, like, how many lives are worth the entire country getting it? I think that was really it. I think that there was a um there was a good chance that what they did earlier would be found and he was trying really to save his own butt, you know, to keep himself from being found out and you know and I think there was an element, you know, he he comes from that school of thought that, you know, it's kind of the greater good argument um, where, you know, basically there's casualties. You know, at one point he make, he says the line, you know, and I don't know how genuine he was in it, but he, he makes the line, I, I'd give them all medals if I could. But unfortunately, you know, they have to do it to save the rest of yeah. America. Which, to me, again, I think... I felt like at the beginning he was just really he it was like he was really um trigger happy and just just totally evil and then in the middle I started kind of feeling okay now I understand why he's doing it you know and then at the end when they're like hey we we absolutely have a antidote then he went back to just being super evil again so you know I don't know I it he was a little kind of crazy yeah i i I do and i i forgot about that part but uh that was actually a very interesting statement being you know i give them all medals if i could because at that point he was just thinking because he was also making the case that when because sam was just like um sam's just like oh you know you don't even know uh if they're all contained here you know like there could already be someone that's made it out or somebody that could possibly be infected elsewhere and we just don't know it yet um so destroying this town doesn't do anything because it could be already spreading into other areas and and now but but on and this is where it's like this is where it became a little bit evil because uh sam now the thing is is that sam knew and i mean he was relaying the information of hey we found something here so if you destroy this place you pretty much destroy uh, the cure that we could have in the event that it's not just in this area. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was one of the big takeaways from it is that it could, it could have already spread out of here and we just don't know it yet. And, and Donald was just, uh, you know, general Sutherland was, uh, general, (laughs) uh, McClintock was just focused on like he, he, he had already done it once before we need to do it now. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're up in the air. Operation, All right, we're, we're destroying this place. Which I, I did yeah. think, you know, and not not to be at all political or anything. I, I don't even know whose side would say this, but I just thought, can you imagine, like, this is 95, and the guy goes, we just got to make sure cameras aren't there or whatever. And I thought, can you imagine in 2020 if, you know, not I won't even say our president, but if a president bombed a city, period, of the United States, can you imagine the Twitterverse? Right. 
you know, like it. Well, like literally everybody yes. in the town that's getting ready to be bombed is going to be live streaming it on Facebook or Twitter, <laughs> like as it's happening. Oh my like gosh. there's no, there's no way to keep that sort of thing hush hush. Right. You know, it's kind of like did you guys ever see the episode of this? Or actually, it wasn't the episode of The Simpsons? It was a, uh, it was a Simpsons movie actually where. Um, they they put a dome over the entire entire uh, town of Springfield, and they decide they're gonna like they're gonna blow it up uh, because they you know pollute too much or something like that. <laughs> and it was like uh, there was in the way they find out oh that the town's gonna be blown up is that Homer or Marge or somebody sees a commercial for the the new Grand Canyon, <laughs> you know, just opening up uh, you know on route whatever blah blah blah. They see you know. A smoking hole, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where Springfield was, or, or yeah, where Springfield would have been. Time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's like right next to where nothing has ever been before. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, like it's it's like in today's in today you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to do it. Um, you know, because there already would have been enough, you know, hype, so to speak. You know, they even though they had a quote unquote media blackout uh, going on in the town or whatever. Like as of right now, everybody's you you can't get people's cell phones away from them fast enough to contain something like that. Right. Yeah, and, and even even speaking of that, um, it, it was kind of interesting to me because of the. Uh, like whenever they were they were taking the people because they told them to hang white sheets, um, in the town of Cedar Creek for people who had f- homes with infected people in them. So they would take the infected people to an area to be treated away from the healthy people to help prevent the spread of infection and treat those infected. And I was thinking like, like they didn't like cell phones weren't just everywhere in '95. No. Um. That that like that wasn't a thing. Like you you had to have landline, yeah, or pay phone. Well, you know, like they couldn't just be calling them or uh, be uh, uh, facetiming yeah. them or something as they're like walking away well, or whatever. Like you have no idea when you might talk to this. person. I thought it again, was interesting at the very. I mean, this is going back to the beginning of the movie, but when they, you know, it goes and it says present day, and they're walking in the hospital, and you see. A computer that is like an old, you know, kind of one of those uh, like early Macintoshes that, you know, it was just like and and it, it says present day and it's so dated, you know, at, at that point. So, you know, like <laughs> it's like when the CDC shows up and they're in Astro vans. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that got me. But a bit. now for. for for but, you guys, as kind of, and again, I, I don't know even how, <laughs> it may be a question that, you know, you can't even answer on the podcast, but like, it, it makes, you know, it makes probably anybody wonder how much, maybe not to this extreme of like, wiping out a civilization, but it makes you wonder how much of these kind of conversations go on in the military or in high ranks of government like is this you know like at what point and and not just american just government in general like you know i thought it was interesting when um you know morgan freeman's character made the comment 
again, I think I mentioned it earlier, the the nuke game or the the not the nuke game, but the virus game, like people making viruses as a part of warfare. And it's like, you know, we're just trying to combat all the other people that are doing it. And you just think about like how it's just crazy to think that, I mean, that like it's a movie and it's over dramatized, but these kind of things could be happening and you're just, you know, what happens if one goes bad, you know? Yeah. Especially one with the, that's as dangerous or as grueling, um, as something like yeah. that, you know, like just your, your body is just every, every orifice is just, uh, or every cell in your body is just bleeding, yeah. um, just spilling all over. Uh, and I mean, it's a slow, painful death through and through. Um, and I like, I can't imagine that, you know, actually having to go through something like that, let alone a family member. Yeah. Well, and I even thought it was interesting um, for, um, you know, Casey uh, Schuler, the, the Kevin Spacey's character. You know, all throughout the movie, he's kind of been the kind of the fun. I don't want to say the funny guy, but he's you know he's the guy that's like makes the jokes, and even on his deathbed, he's like you know you should uh, you should treat you know t- talking to Robbie you should treat treat your husband right he, he's got a crush on you so he's still making jokes but at the point where he says i'm scared it it's you know you're like what hit me is like this guy you know like it's one thing to be sick and not know what's happening it's another thing to be the guy that understands what you have like he knows the very depth of this virus he knows what the virus does to people. He knows he's been studying it, a part of this team. He knows what's going to happen to him. And, you know, he's just like, you know, in those moments, he's like, I'm, I just, I know. I know what this virus does. I know what it's doing. And I'm about to die and I'm scared to die. It was just a really real scene of, again, you know, you've got the townspeople who, they're scared because they don't know what it is, but this guy knows and he's like, yep, I'm screwed. Well, that uh, about wraps up uh, this episode segment on coronavirus. <laughs> um, would you guys like to give your final thoughts on what we just talked about? How are your thoughts on outbreak, Dustin? Man, I, I, like I said, I enjoyed it. Um, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I said to you guys before the podcast, I, I I I sent the guys a message early on saying I hate you all. Uh, you know, please don't ever make me watch this stuff again because so it, it it was in some places it was graphic, not not extremely, but it was very real. It made you feel like holy crap, like this is what these kind of doctors and things like that are doing every day. Um. You know, obviously not to this extreme, but like they have to deal with this. Um, and it's just, it, it was just gave me a new respect for them. But, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, it was very, it was very 
interesting. And, and, and again, like, you know, you jokingly talking about coronavirus, but there, you know, there were so many points where I was like, just how oddly familiar this kind of is right now, <laughs> you know, again, not to the extreme. No, there's, yeah. there's no cities that I know of being completely, you know, like you said, martial law being inflicted. Yeah. Qu- quarantined in such right. a fashion. But it's right. just the the notion of, you know, I, I remember early on with the coronavirus, people were like, oh, did was this a, you know, was this created in China and did they intentionally drop this on somebody? You know, like all that kind of stuff that you, you just hear. And uh, in this case, like. Yeah. It's like you don't want to believe it. But I, I, you know, it's probably not something that you should totally right. rule out. You know, it, it's it's always just a little mm-hmm. something in the back of your mind, like. And, and know, this is there a possibility? I felt like this movie explored all um, the possibilities when when you first hear about yeah. it. Yeah, and I think this movie really yeah. explored it all. Like you know, it was partially an accident, partial you know, just a, a guy, you know, doing his normal job, buying an exotic animal and bringing it, and then it was partially a government cover up and it was you know it was it really honestly it was like if you're going to have an outbreak you know happen this was a good i guess summation of how it would work so yeah i enjoyed it i really i really enjoyed um thought it was a really good interesting concept all right well uh ryan what did you think about outbreak I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Uh, like I said before, I did think it held up well, especially being in ninety, you know, being made in ninety five. There was a little weird stuff, like you know, like the CDC guys showing up in the Astro vans that kind of tickled me. Uh, the the uh, what's supposed to be the um, the M sixties up on the turrets of the Humvees, like just spinning like crazy, you know, not being locked down at all. Uh, just up on top of a Humvee for no reason. Um, that kind of stuff was kind of funny to me. Um, I, I will say my absolute favorite moment in the movie was at the end when uh, General Ford uh, orders that General McClintock be placed under arrest and that he is being relieved of his command. Um, and Donald Sutherland has a line. And, and uh, I guess I should take a step back. This whole time, uh, Don, uh, Donald Sutherland has been giving this guy named Colonel Briggs just crap because he didn't immediately place Sam Daniels under arrest. Um, and so uh, Morgan Freeman says, you know, uh, place this man under arrest. I'm relieve him, relieving him of duty. And Donald Sutherland says, you know, like, I did not mislead the president uh, and no one here will put me under arrest. And he turns around and hears Colonel Briggs like holding his pistol in his hand with the giant grin on his face. And I was waiting for the line of I'm the one going to yeah. arrest you or something like that. But uh, <laughs> well, uh, well, Donald Sutherland actually says, like, you're thoroughly enjoying this right now, aren't you? And he's just like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, what was awesome. <laughs> it just gives he says uh, earlier in the movie, he looked at him and he said. He said, you want to be colonel someday? And he said, yes, sir. And he's like, well, you never will. And I I don't know if, you know, what I caught was Morgan Freeman then says, Colonel Gibbs or whatever his name was. Like he, now that he's arresting him, he almost upgraded him. And it was kind of like, 
Oh, okay. So, you know, he kind of gave him the title that, that you know, uh, McClintock said he would never have. And then Freeman gave it to him. I just thought that was really interesting. <laughs> now who has the last <laughs> laugh? Yeah, that was, that was kind of my favorite, uh, you know, moment in the entire movie but no i thought it was good i thought it was definitely uh it was it was good for the times it's good to see what the worst case scenario could be um especially with a a disease where they're saying it's 100 percent mortality rate versus you know something that we're living with right now which has a less than one percent mortality rate um you know it's kind of a interesting big difference in the world where it's like maybe maybe we shouldn't freak out as much, um, but at the same time be cautious because it could be uh, Motava and not what we're living with now. So, uh, but that's kind of my thoughts. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good movie. Um, good good cast. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes actually gives it ninety one percent. So that's a pretty good score from Rotten Tomatoes on it. Uh, what about you, uh, Zach? Do you have any final thoughts on the movie? Yeah. Um, well, so I thought it was cool how it kind of related to our current situations here. Um, you see some of the extremes of what we're seeing now, and that's, uh, you know, the quarantine um, setting curfews, uh, people getting upset because the government's just coming in and telling them what to do and not really providing a lot of explanation and imposing all these rules and restrictions and, um, you know, taking family members away and everything cause they're sick. And, you know, they're just like, it was kind of surreal because you, you see, you've, you've seen some of this actually play out. Um, and you know, like people are just like, ah, you know, what, what are you doing here? You know, what, why are you keeping us locked up? And, Obviously, it's pro- there's probably a good reason why there's some things that the government shouldn't just be completely transparent with the large group of people under duress like that. You know, it, maybe there's a good reason for it, but um, kind of comparing that to our current times, and especially whenever we knew very little about it at first. I mean, I mean, there's I'm sure there's still a lot to be learned, but we have a good idea of what it's like but whenever it was first coming out and it was just like oh okay you know it's this little thing in wuhan all right and then apparent then then you know because there's every now and then there's always that little uh you know outbreak right there was the ebola outbreak you know and everyone was freaking out about that because i mean ebola is a pretty scary virus but it turned out to not be near as huge as huge of a deal especially compared to something like the uh, COVID-19, which, you know, is, is definitely a lot, it just seems a lot more different because of where it's reached and how far it's spread compared to these other stories that we've heard and relating it to what we've seen in the movie. I'm like, I'm like, Oh wow, this is pretty crazy. And, but, and again, the thing with the cell phones, like just what happened there could not happen in the same way when everyone has cell phones that can show the world what's going on in an instant. Um, like you, like you can't really hide actions. Uh, cause, cause there, I mean, they could kill the phone lines and everything and, and kill all communication out of that city. Like with the cell phone, 
that's a lot. That's that's way more difficult to do. You know, you gotta you gotta find which towers are doing what, and that's and you gotta do that prior to doing anything. It just it just seems like a lot more unrealistic and more difficult um, uh, to do to even a small town. Um, and applying today's standards to that. So, uh, great movie though. Um, and, uh, I look forward to, uh, watching it again in about 15 years. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up here now. Uh, but as we do, I do want to, I do just want to apologize. Uh, I forget where I'd put it out at. Um, but outbreak was on Netflix, uh, not a sponsor. And I don't know if it was maybe like June 1st or whatever that they took it off of Netflix, but I sat down uh, when we sat down together to watch the movie and I was like, we couldn't find it. So we ended up having to rent it off of uh, Amazon, which was, which was okay. Um, you know, three ninety nine for the, the rental. Uh, but it is funny because I'm actually reading here that on March 14th of this year, uh, it said that Outbreak was Netflix's ninth most popular overall title in the U.S., um, which is kind of funny. Wonder like, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone's yeah. at home, and they're like, oh, let's watch this. Uh, yeah, we're a little late yeah. to the party let's, on this. Let's yeah, exactly. freak ourselves out even more about Corona. <laughs> exactly. But uh, So I thought that was pretty interesting. But like I said, I do, I do want to apologize. Uh, I went back and changed the posts and stuff that we'd put out. Uh, on the Facebook page and stuff, but you know, a little, you know, too little, too late, I guess, uh, on that. But uh, like I said, it was a good movie. Um, yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up here. Uh, just remember, if you guys, if there's anybody out there that wants to support ROTM Radio, you can go to rotmradio.com, and uh, we have links on both sides of the page for uh, either a free trial of Audible for a free. Uh, trial 30-day trial with a free audiobook or also if you do any sort of shopping uh, you can select our link um, through Amazon for our Amazon associate account uh, that would help out the page also just sharing commenting sharing uh, with anybody who you think is going to enjoy the show we appreciate it um, that being said uh, Dustin do you have any shout outs that you wanted to give uh, no, I, well, I guess, yes, uh, my, again, my wife and daughter, um, thanks for being my wife and daughter, um, and, uh, thank you listeners that have downloaded the show, and, um, we appreciate everybody listening to us ramble on about movies, books, and TV shows. And you, Zach, any shout-outs that you have? No, I can't think of anyone, I mean, other than my wonderful wife and my son um you know love them appreciate them they make my life better excellent um the shout outs that i had earlier the the few uh the few listeners who have been reaching out and stuff uh once again want to say thank you uh, to them um shout out to my wife and daughter also love you guys um, shout out to Dustin and Zach, uh, some of my best friends in the world. Thank you guys for doing the show with me. And um, also to the listeners. Oh, can, can I go ahead and uh, shout out Ryan? <laughs> I just want to throw that out there <laughs> real me quick. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you Zach. <laughs> 
Heck, heck yeah. Shout out, Dustin, <laughs> uh, co-host of ROTM Radio. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, yes. Man, this, this is just wonderful. I started a trend. No, seriously, I, 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 I'm enjoying doing this with you guys, and I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, pushing through with us. And, um, and also, like I said, for the listeners out there who are listening and sharing and, uh, you know, giving feedback and stuff, you guys are awesome. Uh, stick with us. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing the first episode of two episodes on uh, the TV show Firefly. we got to make sure Mr. Uh, Dustin gets on that and uh, <laughs> watches a couple episodes for us. And uh, we'll be getting on that next week. But until then, may your best yesterdays be your worst tomorrows. And remember, don't shake the mic. Woo-hoo! Do, do, do. Thank <laughs> you.